we're back in the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. Uh, we're in the laws of idolatry. Um, and we left off in chapter 7, uh, Halakha number 11. So we'll just recap on that really quickly and then move on through the rest of chapter 7, hopefully. So uh, the last time we talked about uh, Asherah trees, which are uh, poles or trees fashioned out of wood uh, for specifically for idolatrous purposes. And uh, the last halakha talked about the shade of an Asherah tree. Is it permitted for, um, for a person to uh, benefit from the shade of the tree? The answer is no. Uh, the shade of the tree is not permitted, but although the branches and the leaves of the tree, the shade is permitted, but it's not something that a person wants to really uh, take advantage of. So if there's an idol or an image on the tree or on the pole and you're walking by, uh, it, uh, the Halakha says it's best to move quickly if you, if you can to run past it because this is, uh, like Rabbi Gordon was saying about it, this is before air conditioning. Right. So the, in these days, the shade of the tree was the air conditioner. So... Move on through, and, if, and uh, it also says that if it's at all possible to uh, reroute your journey to go around these Asherim, don't just stay away. It's the best po- policy. So, uh, number 12, Halakha 12, it talks about chicks, uh, baby birds, uh, which do not need their mother, and, uh, and nest in, in, a, in an Asherah, they are permitted. Permitted for what? Um, you can take the birds for food, in other words. If they, so in other words, if, they, if they're developing feathers and they can fly on their own, they, uh, they don't need their mother. That's what, it's, <laughs> that's what this means, so they're permitted. But in contrast, the chicks and eggs which need their mother are forbidden, for the Asherah is considered as if it is a base for them, where the, uh, the birds that can take care of themselves, they haul sticks and twigs from other places and make the nest on the tree, so the nest is not considered part of the tree. But if it's chicks and eggs that can't take care of themselves, the, the Asherah is considered a base for those creatures. So in some way, they absorb some form of the uh, impurity that comes from the idol worship that's directed towards the tree. Okay. So, the nest itself, it says, if you want to use the nest for something, um, it's permitted because, again, the nest itself is made of twigs that are brought from other places. Okay. So, even though these chicks, okay, it says here in the commentary, the chicks are permitted, even though these chicks are permitted, uh, one does not is not allowed to climb up the tree and take them in a normal manner. Rather, one must knock the chicks down with a stave and then collect them. Um, so another commentary explains that climbing on the tree or using it as a, as a support for a ladder would involve deriving benefit from the forbidden tree. So the whole the whole concept here it has to do with deriving benefit from an idolatrous accoutrement or an idol. It's forbidden to derive benefit from an idol that has been, especially one that's been worshipped. Okay. Uh, Halakha 13. It is forbidden to benefit from wood, which one takes from it, from the Asherah tree. Uh, Should a person have heated the oven with such wood, he must cool it off. Afterwards, he should kindle it with other permitted wood and then bake within. Uh, 
Should he bake bread in an oven heated in this manner without cooling it, he is forbidden to benefit from the bread. If such a loaf became mixed together with others, he must bring the value of that loaf to the Dead Sea so that he will never benefit from it. The other loaves, however, are permitted. So the thing about the Dead Sea, if you guys remember, it doesn't necessarily mean to take something to the Dead Sea. The idea of taking something to the Dead Sea is putting it at a place where it will never be used again because the items that are brought to the Dead Sea are never used again. So um, why does it say the, uh, the value of the, of the loaf instead of the loaf? Well, number one, if you're going to go to the Dead Sea with a loaf of bread, it's not going to be valuable at all by the time you get there. Um, <laughs> so, but again, you take the value of the bread, um, you discard the bread because it is, um, it's not physical. This is not a physical situation. What's the difference between a loaf of bread that's been baked in an oven with idolatrous wood versus non-idolatrous wood? Is the wood that came from the Asherah somehow physically different than any other wood? No, no. We're talking about spiritual concepts. So uh, we're talking about uh, spiritual impurity. Uh, the wood, if you, if you want to say, from the Asherah tree is somehow infected with spiritual impurity from idolatrous worship. So to put it in the oven and to make uh, heat from the wood is going to cause you to derive benefit from this idolatrous wood, which is going to, uh, the heat is going to soak into the bread, cook the bread, and now the bread is um, a benefit of uh, burning the wood. A key phrase for all of that is deriving benefit, period. Yes. Because there is no difference in the wood. But the, the benefit, it teaches us something that Hashem wants us to so thoroughly reject Bodhisattva. To not even derive any benefit. Even if it, you can't perceive the benefit, just have nothing to do with it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, the, the, the again, to, just to reiterate what uh, Reuven is saying here, the bread, uh, any of these things has to do with the benefit of it. Uh, we don't want to derive any of the benefit from it at all. Okay, so... Um, there's other methods for fuel to use that you can gather. Even uh, even the the dung from a kosher animal can be used better, for, for fuel. Be better than that, yeah. I can know I'm just thinking sometimes Right, but uh, the the reality with the the situation with an Asherah tree is uh, it should in, in the land of Israel specifically or any other land that the Jewish people have, uh, what do you say, conquered and taken over it, uh, they're to tear these things down and destroy them. So um, we're not talking about living uh, where you have Jewish people in the, um, in the exile, in the diaspora, throughout the world. Uh, it's, it's not our duty to go around tearing down uh, people's private property or things that belong to other governments. But specifically in the land of Israel, when the Jewish people are in control of it, um, and any other lands that the Jewish people are in direct control of, they govern the property, in other words, directly, and the land is under Jewish rule, these things should be torn down and destroyed and not used for anything. Um, such as this, like a city such as uh, Jericho, if you remember the story of Jericho, uh, 
Well, Hashem uh, commanded uh, them that when uh, the, the walls fell, to, the, that they were to kill everyone, kill all the animals, burn the whole city, and destroy all the goods in the city and not take any benefit from it because it was an idolatrous city. And exactly, and to never, never to even rebuild anything on that property that resembles a city. So, uh, so yes. Today, how would that, how would that apply today? How would I benefit or not benefit uh, from this? Well, it's not likely I'm going to find an asher pole or a tree and right wood from it. So how, how, what's the application? So the application today, uh, um, partly with this, we're going through the laws. So um, if we can if we can find something to uncover that we can apply today directly, we will. But the concepts re- remain across the board about deriving benefit from anything that has been used in an idolatrous fashion. So that's going to be the foundation of what we're talking about today: is not deriving benefit from idolatrous accoutrements. Uh, here specifically, it's talking about asherim, which are, again, the trees or wooden poles that are made uh, for idols. Um, like you were saying, we don't really see that so much today. Uh, the, what would be an accoutrement today? I guess is what I'm asking. Okay. Um, would it relate now to the Christmas tree? Um, any item, any item that has been designated for a known form of idolatry, it would be forbidden to derive benefit from it. I can think of something right now just came to mind. Candles. Those candles oh, are absolutely. To, to burn to saints or in Buddhism or whatever. Like, if you needed light or to stay warm, you would not want to use it. it because it's designed specifically for that. They have a Madonna on the front of Right, it. right. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be a little bit direct here. Um, there are uh, there are specific accoutrements uh, that come from certain uh, divisions of Christian worship, um, like uh, was mentioned here, candles. You'll see uh, the candles, and this was just spoken, so I don't know if you guys online was able to hear, so I'm going to repeat it. There's candles with uh, effigies of uh, different people or um, idolatrous types of imagery on these candles, Um for example, a Jewish person or even a righteous non-Jew, which falls in the sim- similar category here, a person who's serving Hashem, whether it be Jewish or not Jewish, to derive benefit from such a thing is not permitted. So uh, for me to invest in a company or any of us here to invest in a company that produces these candles with these uh, idolatrous effigies on them would not be would not be really the the ticket uh, of the straight path. Um, now again, this is a little technical, but if it's the candle company that produces the candles in the little glass tube that has nothing to do with idolatry, uh, you invest into that. That's one thing. But once it moves on to the company that slaps the sticker with the effigy, the idolatrous image on it, that we want to stay away from that. We don't want to have anything to do with things like that. Um, you had mentioned a certain type of tree that people put in their homes for certain holidays. That's a little, that may be a little controversial. Um, for those of us that know what those things are, of course we would steer away from them as far as possible. Um, but a lot of people really have no idea where the origins of such things come from. Nor are they worshiping 
Of course not. Of course not. Most of your would-be modern person today that has that in their home during these holidays, they're not worshiping it. So, um, is it even known in the modern world as something that comes from idolatrous worship? That's a, a good question, right? Those of us that know better, we know, you know, and those of us that are learning, we'll learn. But um, to say to say that I'm not going to go to like a, a department store because they have these things for sale, that's a that's a little bit different. I would, uh, if I had any question about that, I would consult the rabbi. But uh, everybody, you know, everybody shops at the big box stores these days. Don't talk about my dollar store. That's <laughs> Exactly. No, they're, they're not. They're not. Right. They're not made or sold for idolatry. So it's a little, you know, I'm I'm not going to have it in my house. You know, I, I heard a comedian a while back. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone was asking him what he does. You know, what does he do for Christmas? And he said, "Well, uh, I don't really do anything for Christmas because I'm Jewish." <laughs> and. Uh, so the lady says, "So you, you kids, you have kids, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "What do you, what, what do you do for, what do they do for Christmas?" Uh, he said, "Well, we don't do that. We do, we, we celebrate Hanukkah. It's in a similar time of the year, not always the same time, but it's nothing like Christmas." And he's telling this story about when he was growing up. Uh, he he lived around a lot of non-Jews that had uh, Christmas trees and what. And he asked his mom, "Hey, mom, can we get a Christmas tree?" And she said, "No, but." Uh, we can get a Hanukkah bush. And uh, he said, really? And he said, can I put lights on it? Uh, and she said, I don't know. And he said, well, wh- wh- what kind of bush can I get? And she said, the one out in the front yard. That can be your Hanukkah bush. And he's like, so can I decorate it? And she said, oh, maybe next year. <laughs> so it's just a bush out in the yard. It's not a Hanukkah bush, a Christmas tree, anything, but it's a, it was funny. That was uh, Jerry Seinfeld was explaining this, but it was fun. But, um, yeah, um, things that we know, uh, things that we know are used for idolatrous purposes or things that we might have questions about, uh, we may not want to be uh, deriving benefit from it. But like the, you brought up the candles, that's a good example Um Let's see. Uh, I mean, the nice thing about the postmodern era, there's not a lot of idolatry. Like no, the idolatry has really been taken down uh, for the last 2,500 years. Yeah. So well, the figure of it, but idolatry. Well, yeah, idolatry as a yeah, yeah as a concept still exists yeah. in some form. Yes. Yeah, idolatry as a concept concept still exists, but the uh, the direct worship right. of idols has really tamed yeah. down in the world. There's three what people would consider three major religions, and they're all monotheistic. Right. Well, they appear to be. <laughs> as close as you could get, by some. Right. Uh, all the male forms now, uh, most of them have a little Buddha right. or a little rabbit, I mean, cat. Right. Um, Do they worship Buddha? I don't think they worship Buddha. Mania Salon gets them coffee, coffee every morning. But is that worship? I don't know. That's not an issue for us. Uh, I've, we've talked to we've talked to the rabbi about this situation specifically. Um, we don't go there for the purpose of of the idols. 
Uh, we don't, we don't, no, and even though we pay for a service, it's not, we're not paying for a service from the idol. Right. We're paying for a service from the people. Right. Uh, for example, I mentioned this in a, in a previous class. I go to a, a, a place where, um, uh, where I get a haircut. Yes. Yeah, see how nice all this area, but nothing really here. But in this area, they, yeah, they do a good job. There's nothing left here to cut, but, uh, <laughs> That's a Buddhist, right. Is that a Buddhist haircut? No, <laughs> it's a bald man's haircut. <laughs> so, anyways, um, the people that own the place and that op- that own and operate the place, they're uh, immigrants from Asia, so they have a background of Buddhism, which is fine. That's their choice, uh, and they have little figurines and what they're you know at their stations. Some of them do, but. Um, so you know, I talked to the rabbi about it directly, and he said, "No, it's not a problem." Uh, we don't pray to those things. We don't acknowledge them. We're not there to uh, to get a haircut from the figure figurine. Uh, we're we're paying for a service from a person. So he goes there too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was just checking because you said we. So. Right. Yeah. We. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Must be a good place. It is. It's really cheap. That's the best part. It's low cost. That's what I like. Five ninety. The name of the place is five ninety nine haircut. I need to go there. That is a cheap So. Same price for a full hair. Yep. Whether whether it's this long or or missing on the top, it's the same price. Five ninety nine. Oh, that's a good price. That's yeah. three months of haircuts. Right. So uh, where do, where am I going here? So. <laughs> How Buddha, how Buddha cut your hair. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So how did Buddha cut my hair? He didn't because he doesn't do anything. So, um, yeah, it came up about uh, nail salons in different places where there's uh, Asian culture that carries these types of accoutrements. Uh, as long as we're not benefiting from it or giving uh, kavod or uh, honor to the thing, it's not an, it's a non-issue. Um so moving on, if it's possible. <laughs> um, number uh, Halakha fourteen: If one took a piece of wood from a, from an ashera to use as a shuttle and wove a garment with it, it is forbidden to, to benefit from the garment. So we're talking about a loom, you know, where uh, where threads of. Uh, like wool or cotton or linen, yeah, thank you, um, material are woven together to make a garment. And there's an, uh, a piece to this uh, device called a shuttle. It's about this big. It has a point on two ends, and they use it to pull the, the threads through the loop. If it's made out of uh, idolatrous wood, uh, then the, the loom, the shuttle, and even the garment uh, that's being made is forbidden to be used. You mean like it versus an oak tree or a pine? No, it's not a species of a tree. Right. It's it's any species of tree that they would make into an idolatrous yeah. stave, pole, or imagery on the tree carved in it. Yeah, something like that, exactly. Uh, let's see. So we talked about the bread. That was from the uh, okay. So should the garment, should the gar- garment become mixed together with other garments, he must bring the value of that garment to the Dead Sea. All the other garments, however, are permitted. 
Um, so it is uh, permissible to plant vegetables under Anashera, whether in the summer when they need the shade or in the winter. This leniency is granted because the vegetable's growth is produced by two factors, the shade of the Asherah, which is forbidden, and the earth, which is permitted. Whenever an effect is produced by the combination of a forbidden, a forbidden factor and a permitted factor, it is permitted. Therefore, if a field was fertilized with fertilizer that was forbidden because of, connection, of a connection with idol worship, one may sow it. So let's pause here and talk about this. In this case, what type of fertilizer would be used, do you think? Probably cattle. Yeah, probably like uh, cattle manure or horse manure or something of this fashion, or sheep or goat, whatever. So uh, in idolatrous worship, it's common for animals to be offered to, uh, to these idols. So in other words, this fertilizer that would possibly or most likely be a manure, uh, if it comes from an animal that's been designated for idolatrous use, um, even the dung of it, the manure, is, is forbidden. But if, if the idolatrous person uh, took the manure from the, the pen of idolatrous um, designated animals and fertilized the field, and then planted a crop that was permitted, um, then the, the actual crop is not forbidden. The, the, the field with the manure from the idolatrous animals, or the animals that are designated for idolatry, animals really aren't idolatrous, but they could, once they're designated for idolatry, that's something that we can't benefit from, even from the manure. But even though someone used the manure for the field, it's saying here that the produce of the field is permitted. Because the fertilizer is forbidden, but the soil is permitted. Just much like the, the, the plants that are planted underneath the shade in the ground, under the shade of the Asherah tree. So the concept here is if you have a... Um, there's two factors... Um, you, um, whenever an effect is produced by the combination of a forbidden factor and a permitted, uh, permitted, permitted factor, the effect is permitted. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, similarly, the meat of a cow that was fed with beans that were forbidden because of connection with idol worship, uh, it may be eaten. So if it's idolatry beans and the cow eats the beans, it doesn't make the cow forbidden. So uh, the same principle applies in other similar situations. So the, first we have the shade of the Asherah tree in the soil. The soil is permitted, the shade is, is not. Then you have a fertilized field the soil is permitted. The fertilizer is not permitted. And the third one, you have the beans and the cattle. The beans are forbidden and the cow, the cow is permitted. So in all three of those types of situations, in any similar situations, a mixture of, in, in this type of thing, the effect of that mixture is uh, permitted. Idle beans and rice. <laughs> Sounds like a Cajun dish. 
<laughs> yeah. Idle beans. Zara beans, huh? Yeah, Zara beans. That, that even <laughs> sounds Zara more. More fancy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's this guy. Um, he's wanting to get married. So he wants his mother to approve of his wife. So uh, he goes out on a date with a brunette, and he brings her home to mom. says, Ema, I want to get married, but I want you to help me choose my wife. So he brings the brunette, and they have dinner and blah, blah, blah. Then... He sets up a date with a blonde lady, and he brings her home to mom, and mom says, okay, thank you. And then uh, the third one is a redheaded lady. And uh, they sit down and have dinner and so on and so forth, and everything settles down. And then uh, he says, okay, mom, I really need you to help me to pick out my wife here. And she says, it's going to be the redhead. And he says, how do you know? And she says, because that's the one that I don't like. <laughs> That's funny. I've not heard that. Have you? I have never. That's a good one. I'm, I'm putting that down. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Okay. It is not for uh, Holocaust 15. It is not forbidden to benefit from meat, wine, and fruits that were prepared as offerings for idols. So let's. Uh, Let's notate here the word prepared as offerings. Um, although they were brought into the temple of a false deity, they are not prohibited until they are actually brought as offerings. So Jimmy prepares the wine and the meat, <clears throat> and his intent is to bring it to the idols. He brings it to the temple, but he doesn't offer it. He takes it back out. It's permitted. Jimmy takes the the wine and the meat into the temple. And this is just some obscure Jimmy. I don't, it's no one specific. <laughs> so anyway, he takes it in uh, to the temple, offers it to the idols. Now it is forbidden at any time. Uh, there is no, it's not redeemable. Um, you know, also that same principle lies with designated offerings to Hashem. It says that if it's designated, you can't use it for even if it hasn't been offered yet. Correct. So it's like, that is to show you how important it is, your gift that you bring or the offerings you bring. Once it's designated, you can derive no benefit from it. It's right. It's only for the benefit of the time. Yes, exactly. So if you guys didn't hear that uh, online, when, an, when something is des designated to be an offering to Hashem, even though it hasn't been offered yet, it, it's already designated, it is forbidden to be used for anything else. It's already considered set apart or, or holy, if you would. So once they are brought as offerings, their status changes, and they remain forbidden forever, even if they were later removed from the temple. So Torah law forbids benefiting from anything that is found in a temple of a false deity, even water or salt. Okay, so if Jimmy goes into the temple without anything, for example, and he goes inside and there's a bucket of salt or a bucket of water or anything for that matter that someone else brought in there. He didn't bring it. Uh, it's forbidden to be used. He can't take it out and use it for, for something else. 
Um, if a person eats even the slightest amount from such substances, he is punished by lashing. So, uh, he gets the beat down, but he doesn't get uh, killed. I don't want to deal with either one of those. And again, uh, this only applies when the Sanhedrin is standing uh, in a place where Jewish law is the prevalent ruling over the land. Uh, this is not something that we incite today amongst ourselves. We don't uh, beat people for for doing these things. Uh, Holocaust 16, the following laws apply when a person finds garments, utensils, or money placed on the head of an idol. If he finds them placed in a derisive manner, which is a, um, a dishonorable manner, like, for example, they walk in and they use it for a coat hanger. Um, the, those items are permitted. If he finds them placed in a differential, in a de, uh, yeah, deferential manner, they are forbidden. So if it's Placed in a way that honors this idol, it's forbidden to be used. So what is implied if one finds a purse hanging around its neck, folded garments placed on its head, or a utensil overturned on its head? They are permitted because they were placed in a derisive manner. The same applies to uh, other similar situations. If in contrast, if one finds an object of a, of a type which is used for an offering for the temple altar on the head of an idol, it is forbidden. So if it's something that beautifies or honors this this idol, it's it's not it's not permitted to use it. So when does the above apply? When one finds such articles outside its usual place of worship. When how when, however, one finds such articles within the idol's place of worship, regardless whether it was placed in a derisive manner or in a de- deferential manner or whether it is of the types of objects used as sacrifices for the temple altar. Any article found within such a structure, even water or salt, becomes forbidden. Different laws apply regarding uh, Peor and Marcoulis. Uh, Peor was the, the deity that's mentioned in the Torah where people would uh, defecate in front of it in order to honor it. Uh, Marcolis, they would throw stones at it. That was the, the manner of worship towards this thing. So it is forbidden to benefit anything that is found together with them, whether it is found in their temple or outside of it. Similarly, with regard to the stones found near a symbol of Marcolis, if a stone appears to be together with it, it is forbidden to benefit from it. Because once again, the known method of worship for Marcolis is to throw stones at it. 17. When a shrine of a false deity possesses a bathhouse or a garden, benefit may be derived from it, providing one does not offer appreciation in return. Um, If one must offer appreciation, it is forbidden. If the garden or bathhouse is mutually owned by the shrine and another entity, one may derive benefit from it, even if one provides its priests with appreciation. One may not, however, pay a fee. There's a whole discussion in the Talmud about this. Uh, there's uh, a discussion between a rabbi and a layperson concerning a bathhouse that has uh, in the middle of the bathhouse, wherever all the men go to wash, there's a big idol in the middle of it. And he's like, well, how is this permitted? Well, because he's not there to honor the idol, he's there to take a bath. So as long as he doesn't pay for it. 
Right. Exactly. Of course, that was during the age that rarely people had bathrooms to shower. Yes. Everything was public. Exactly. It's public bathhouse like in Roman times. And you know how the Romans did it. Uh, every everything they built, they put their idols right. into it. So, uh, let's see here. Two more, and we'll fin- and we'll be finished with chapter seven. Uh, Halakha eighteen. It is permitted to bathe in a bathhouse, even though an idol is located within, because it is placed there for aesthetic purposes and not to be served. This leniency can be inferred from the use. Uh, by Deuteronomy 12, 2 of the term, their gods. For example, the prohibition applies when they treat them as gods and not when they humiliate them. Such as an instance where the idol stands over the sewage pipe and they use the bathroom before it. Um, Should the idol's worship involve such activities, it is forbidden to enter the bathhouse. So if the act of using the restroom or Taking a bath is the form of worship towards the idol, then it's forbidden to go in the bathhouse. Number 19, it is permitted to benefit from an animal slaughtered using a knife, um, a knife forbidden because of its connection to idol worship, because one is detracting from the animal's value. So the idolatrous knife makes the animal less valuable. So one can benefit from the animal. Um, if the animal is in danger of dying, it is forbidden because one is enhancing its value. So you have a sick animal that's in danger of dying. To slaughter it with this knife is going to enhance the value of it. So now the animal's forbidden. And this improvement involves benefit from an accessory of idol worship. Similarly, it is forbidden to cut meat with such a knife because one is enhancing its value. Should one cut with a destructive intent causing a loss, the meat is permitted. So if you're going to cut ribeyes with it, or some nice cut of meat, that's not permitted. But if you're just cutting it up and it destroys the most favorable part of the meat that people like in a certain cut, then the meat's permitted. Okay. So when you go to your butcher, just ask them if they've slaughtered anything to their false gods lately with the knife, and then you know how to handle the meat. <laughs> exactly. They they would say what? <laughs> Luckily for us in the U.S., there's only two entities uh, that really use knives for slaughter. One of them is Jewish people, and the other one's uh, Islamic people. And um, what do you say for the uh, for the righteous non-Jew? Both of these meats are permitted. It's completely permitted. It's actually pre- preferred if you if you can find it. So. That sums up chapter 7. Yay! (laughs) So uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. Now we're going to continue in our group uh, discussion. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, Your comments or questions are always welcome uh, on the comments section of the videos. Thank you.